0: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're true. You'll be set for life. Most people know the Reap What He shows verse, and a lot of people know that God is not mocked verse. Most people don't know that the very verse that comes right before it. And there's a reason why I read these two verses together. It says that the biblical responsibility, you're supposed to share in all good things with those who teach, the biblical responsibility for every believer is to financially support the pastors and their teachers in the church. You are supposed to support your pastor through your giving. Now, it's likely that the Galatians here, in their backsliding, They had stopped giving to support the work of their pastors. And so part of Paul's instruction to them was this. He said, you should be paying your pastor for his work. You need to be paying that man for the work that he does. And so he reprimanded the Galatians for taking up the benefits and receiving the blessings of the pastor's work. That pastor goes and studies all week. He prays. He does his faithful best to give the Word of God to the people, to teach to them, and then the people were not reciprocating the fruits of their own work back to the pastor. And so for me personally, let me explain my story. When God called me to ministry, it required me to leave my career in radio. That was something I'd spent 20 years of my life building up. It's what I knew. Now, it scared me to be called off into ministry. I mean, I'm just being honest. But I'll tell you what scared me even more was all the friends that I had around me that said, oh, Ray, just trust in the Lord. He will provide. I mean, I knew that, but they were telling me this. Trust in the Lord, Ray. God will take care of it. But I knew that they were not giving to the ministry that they were being blessed by. See the problem here? They'd say, oh, I I can't afford to to give to the church. My, my house bill is due soon. I just got an entertainment system, and I, I got a car payment going on and all these things. It's like they didn't actually think that pastors have a house and a car payment too. And and what scared me was that I was about to leave my income to go preach to those who would not share back with their income. See, I was going to leave my job. I put in my notice and I left. I left all of that to go preach to a, a culture of people that don't believe in giving back. That scared me. So while I was struggling with the decision to leave and go into full-time ministry, I was surrounded by that, well, just trust in God crowd, and they'd stick their chest out with pride, and they would over-spiritualize their, their talk, just telling me to trust God with my part, but they weren't trusting God with their part. But I'll be honest, it was those people, oh, just trust in God, Ray, that weren't giving back to their pastor. Those were the people that made it a lot more difficult for me to finally come to that decision, for me to finally realize that I needed to leave and go into full-time ministry. As a matter of fact, I prayed to God. I said, Lord, I don't think this ministry thing's going to work out for me. I'm just going to stay at my job, and I'm not going to go into ministry. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, who said you get to keep your job if you deny my calling? And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to lose it all if I don't. Don't do this. So <laughs> I I made the move and I I said okay, Lord, you win as He always does, right? And so I said okay, I'll do it. And I left because if I didn't leave, I was going to lose my job anyhow. So I really had to learn that yes, trust in the Lord. So any of you out there that are thinking about going into ministry and it requires you to leave everything you have and everything you know, remember Jesus called the fishermen. He said, "Hey, come follow me," and they left their nets and followed Him. That means they left everything they knew. They left their job, their career, their income, their livelihood. They left it to just go follow the Lord. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to do that by faith. And I will tell you, just trust in the Lord. He will provide. But at least I gave that to you with substance. So I hope you can see why Paul said that God will not be mocked. I want to explain why he said God's not going to be mocked, because if somebody is blessed by the labor and the work of a pastor, but then they refuse to share back to him with what they have, they refuse to share with him who teaches, then they have mocked the Lord God. See, God considers this to be a personal insult against him. For him to call a man out of his everything that he knows, out of his career, call him out. And the Lord puts him in front of people to teach them his word. And those people will not share back to that man that God has called out. God says, if you do that, you are mocking me. I want to be clear. I'm very thankful to all of you who give to Set for Life Radio. Trust me, your generosity does not go unnoticed. But there's a lot of believers out there who just are not faithfully sharing their fair part to support their pastors out there. But I have come to realize that this is not my problem. That's their problem with God. All I have to do is stay true to my calling. I'll leave the rest to the Lord. Galatians 6, verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Okay, these are farming terms here, uh, the sowing which is the act of throwing seed out to the ground so that something's going to grow there. I have sown seed before on the family ranch before. Me and my grandpa, we went and got, I don't know, I guess hundreds of pounds of grass seed because there was a drought that killed off the grass in his pastures. And so we had to sow some seed. Now, I remember I stood in the back of the pickup truck with all the big bags of grass seed, and he said, now I'm going to drive up and down in swipes up and down the pasture, and you throw the seed. So I started throwing it. Well, he stopped the truck and he got out and he goes, okay, when you throw it, it needs to spread. You're throwing it in big clumps. You need to spread the seed when you throw it. Okay. And I said, all right. So he drove again. Mind you, I'm a little kid at this. I'm very, very young and I wasn't throwing it. It wasn't spreading right. And you're supposed to throw with the wind, let the wind help you and all that. And it just wasn't working right. So he pulled over again. He goes, well, tell you what, let me, let me throw it and you drive. I was so short, so young, I couldn't hardly reach the pedals or see over the dashboard to see where I was going. (laughs) And so I couldn't drive the truck right. It just wasn't working out very well. And so he had to go get another helper that could actually uh, see, and we had to let this other guy take over. But later on, when the grass came up, we could see these little splotchety areas of grass, and I thought, well, (laughs) that must have been where I threw the grass because it wasn't working out too well. Okay. So what you're going to get is whatever you sow. If you sow splotchety, you're going to get grass growing splotchety. You're going to get patches if you throw in clumps, okay. But where he threw evenly and let the wind work with him and it worked out better, we had a lot better grassy areas in the area where he he sowed. So you're going to get what you sow. So if you want abundant blessing spread out evenly, then you sow abundantly and you sow evenly. You don't give maybe one week and then not for two months and then maybe two weeks and then not for three months. That's splotchety sowing. You're, you're going to reap back splotchety blessing. You got to sow abundantly and you got to sow evenly. You give to your congregation. You give to your pastor's ministry on a regular basis and you keep that schedule, okay? But we sowed hundreds of pounds of grass and they worked at it all day long. They sowed heavily. Why? Why? Because we expected heavily. How crazy would it be to try to sow acres and acres of pasture land from a bag that's the size of a potato chip bag? And you can't expect anything at all from that. To those who won't sow, well, the Lord will provide. Yes, he will, but he will provide according to how you sow. And Paul said, if you sow to please the Spirit of God, then that return will be in eternal things. So, my friend, I want to tell you, don't always go sowing to the pastor or to the ministry with your your offering. Don't always expect that that's going to come back to you as a financial return. Sometimes that return might be in eternal spiritual things that are non-tangible things that you can't exactly put your hands on. And so Paul's overall point was that there must be financial support of Christian workers, your teachers, your pastors but that anyone who gave would get an eternal spiritual return for it. Galatians 6 verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. But what Paul said is don't lose heart. Don't get frustrated to where you quit. Don't stop giving because, well, it didn't come back quick enough. Paul said, don't get weary. Do not get tired of doing good because it will, it will come back to you, but it's going to come back to you in due season. Me and Grandpa sowed all that seed that we did, but we didn't have grass until the next day or even the next week. In fact, it was a while before we got any grass back from it. So don't give up because the harvest is a sure thing. It will come. Now, Paul had experienced this kind of frustration because he included himself when he said, if we don't lose heart, he didn't say, if you don't lose heart, he says, I'm in this with you. If we together, all of us, if we don't lose heart, the return is going to come in due season. And that might even be at the judgment seat of Christ. So while you're able to now, sow the best you can. Because what you put out is what's going to come back. Galatians 6.11. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. Only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law but they desired to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. Okay, Paul apparently took the pen away from his scribe, and Paul started to write it for himself with his own hand in really big letters to make a big emphasis. Paul said that these legalists, he said they were just man-pleasers. They were not God-pleasers because they were more afraid that men would persecute them for preaching about the cross. Now, Paul said they wanted to boast in their flesh. What that means is they were wanting to brag about the high number count of the circumcision people like that gave them some kind of a religious superiority. I've seen pastors do this. Oh, we must be a righteous church. Look how many people we have. Well, if you're not preaching the cross of Jesus Christ, then what that ministry is doing is they are boasting in your flesh. You're not supposed to boast in the people's flesh. You're supposed to boast in something else. Galatians 6.14. But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So he's saying, hey, Circumcised or not, that doesn't do diddly dog for you at all. The only thing that does anything at all is being a new creation. See, your salvation means that you have died to the world, as Paul said. He said he was crucified to the world. And all the very best that the world has for you, that doesn't mean anything in comparison to what you have in Jesus Christ, the eternal life. Now, there's a lot of people, they brag about how much money they have or They brag, and how many people attend my church? Oh, I'm a pastor, and I got 4,000 people in my church. I'm just so awesome. Okay, what they're doing is they're bragging in your flesh. You're supposed to brag in Jesus Christ. I've had people tell me, oh, man, I I live in a big mansion right by the ocean. And I think, oh, yeah, well, I have a mansion in heaven that's going to make your mansion look like a cardboard box. Okay, but if you want to brag, then brag in the eternal blessing of your Lord Jesus Christ. Don't brag in all the things. See, Paul said these legalists were using the Galatians for a number count. Look how awesome we are. He says, but you're overlooking the gospel message that you're supposed to be telling others. Circumcision or non-circumcision doesn't do anything for you. You need to be telling people about the gospel of Christ, that Christ died for us. Galatians 6.16. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul's blessing here, it was for Jews and Gentiles alike. It wasn't just for one people or another, because he said, as many as those who walk according to this rule. That's anyone, Jew or Gentile alike, as, as long as you walk according to this rule. But what rule is that? What's he talking about? The rule that salvation is by grace through faith alone. It's not by circumcision. It's not by works. It's not by how much money you put in the box. It's not by how many times you go to church. Oh, look how great I am checking those boxes. It's all in Christ alone. That's what saves. Now, notice how Paul said the Israel of God. (laughs) When I saw that, I said, what? He didn't say the God of Israel. He said the Israel of God. What did he mean by this? Paul knew there were both believing and unbelieving Gentiles. There were Jews that pushed circumcision, and there were Jews who believed by faith that were real, believing Jews. So that meant that only the Jews who believed by faith, they are the real, true Israelites of God. And so Paul said, the Israel of God. He didn't say the God of Israel. He said the Israel of God. He meant the true Israelites of God. I guess if you could look at it in the context of there being two Israels and there's not, I don't go theologically crazy. Ray said there's two Israels. What I mean is there is an Israel that does not believe in God. And there's an Israel that does believe in the Lord God, in the Messiah, Jesus. He said the Israel of God. Okay. The true Israelites. I'm reminded of when Jesus said to Nathaniel, he said, here is a true Israelite. That's a true Israelite. (laughs) Okay, you want to be a true Israelite, you believe in Jesus. Jesus looked at Nathanael. He saw there's nothing false in him at all. There's no false belief. He didn't worship Dagon or Ra or or any of these crazy gods that the Canaanites had pushed all these years that some of the Israelites picked up on. He didn't have any of that in him. Jesus saw him and said, hey, that's a true Israelite right there. He believes in the true Lord. And so in closing we need to be attentive, and we need to be very careful about how to restore somebody who's overtaken by a trespass. I want you to think about any mistakes you've made in your life. You ever messed up, and people got real harsh with you? It didn't feel good, did it? Matthew seven twelve says, whatever you want men to do to you, do to them, for this is the law. Basically, it says, you treat people the way you want to be treated, Okay. Now, the Pharisees made a mockery out of that adulteress. They made a mockery out of Paul as well, and it was public. Friends, they put Jesus out publicly to crucify him. They didn't do it private. They put him on a hilltop so the whole city could watch. That's mockery. Now, if you want people to treat you well, then you treat them well first. Don't wait for them to treat you right first. You show them Jesus. You treat them well first. Remember Jesus died on the cross for our sins while we were still sinners. He didn't say, "Now y'all straighten up first and then I'll go die for you." No, he died for us so that we could get straightened up. And also, if you don't like being mocked and made fun of, then don't mock the Lord. Don't make fun of the Lord. You don't like being ridiculed? Don't ridicule the Lord. So you have got to share in all good things with him who teaches. You see all of these things that we learned in Galatians 6 is how you build people up, not just how you build up somebody that has fallen in a trespass, but also how you build up your pasture. Hebrews 5.13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's like I said, five-year-olds are too unskilled to drive a car. If you need to be restored from a trespass, you bring it to the church leadership. Bring it to your pastor. Don't air it out over social media. Don't email and text everybody all about it. Don't take it to your unbelieving friends because they're unskilled in in restoration. They won't help you. They're not skilled in these spiritual things. You need to take it. To the church. You need to take it to your pastor. You need to take it to believers. And also, friends, don't take it to your unbelieving friends simply because you're scared to tell the church, because you're afraid of what they're going to say to you. I know a lot of people they think you're supposed to look perfect in church and they won't tell their pastor. They won't tell the church because they're afraid that the pastor and the church gonna go crazy on them. Well, I can't believe you did that all. Oh, how, how dare you do that? You're a Christian, aren't you supposed to do better? That is not the formula that Paul gave us. We are to restore gently and lovingly. Give your church that opportunity and don't keep it from them. Don't build up protective walls around yourself and keep it a big secret. So you remember how all the anodes are put along a, the side of a ship's hull. If you build a wall around yourself, then you're refusing to allow the body of Christ to come alongside you to bear the burden with you. And if you do this, You will bear that burden alone, and you will corrode, and then you will sink. Friends, if you've ever looked at a sacrificial anode, after it has finished its job, when you look at it, they're just, they're eaten down to nothing. But the hull of the ship is fine, but the anode is chewed down to nothing. It's like not much of it's left. A sacrificial anode is strategically placed all over the hull of a ship. They literally become part of that ship. And only when they're put on the ship itself are they able to bear all the destruction of corrosion in order to save the ship. And so after they've done their job, and after they're all used up and ate down to nothing, they just take the anodes and throw them away. But I want to talk to you about another sacrifice after it had done its job too, and that was when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. At that point, there was nothing left of Him either. He was beaten. He was unrecognizable as a man, but I want you to remember how the anodes were placed all over a ship's hull. They were purposely put there by someone that saw great value in the ship, by someone who really wanted that ship to be kept safe. Friends, we who believe have all been covered by the sacrificial blood of Christ, and his blood was purposely put all over us by Father God. Because he sees your great value, and so he really wants to keep you safe. Friends, we need to learn to bear it and share it. I told a friend of mine about this message. He goes, oh, man, that is so Galatians 6. (laughs) You know, if you share it, he's going to bear it. But you got to allow yourself to be placed in Jesus alongside the body of Christ, your fellowship, your church. Let Jesus take all of sin's corrosive destruction upon himself to save you. And also, get in close with the body of Christ. Take your walls down. Stop being so private. Let them know. Share with them. Let them help you. This load is too big for you to bear. It's going to sink you, and it's going to corrode you. Now, one thing to remember also about sacrificial anodes, after they're used up, they take them off and they throw them away. After Jesus died on the cross, they took him down and they buried him away. But sacrificial anodes do not rise again. Jesus Christ did. He rose again so that he defeated death. Death no longer has mastery over Jesus. Therefore, death no longer has mastery over you. Pray with me. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to take on my trespasses, my sins so that it doesn't stay on me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died sacrificially in my place to take that load off of me so that you can die with it, and I don't have to, so that I can be saved. Thank you for that gift of eternal life. I receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you.